Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Imagine you are a colonist in 1770s America. As the tyranny of King George continues to increase its authoritarian rule over us, there is anger and talk of revolution. At first, minor skirmishes occur that eventually lead to major incidents like the Boston Massacre and the Boston Tea Party, in which friends are shot and killed by British troops. Small groups of colonists begin to meet in secret, afraid of British retaliation. Samuel Adams forms the Sons of Liberty and establishes a network of communication among among the colonists. Those are called committees of correspondence. They're a system of patriarch groups in each of the colonies. On the evening of April 18th, 1775, Dr. Joseph Warren, a noted patriot leader in Boston, got word that the British planned to march to Concord, destroy guns and supplies of the colonists, and arrest Samuel Adams and John Hancock in Lexington. Dr. Warren asked friend and fellow patriot Paul Revere to ride to Lexington and Concord to spread the word. Paul Revere's history is a written history of that night, and it tells of a second writer from Boston, William Dawes, who met up with Revere after midnight in Lexington to warn Adams and Hancock. There they were joined by a third writer, Dr. Samuel Prescott, who rode on to Concord, stopping at houses all along the way to prepare to intercept the British forces on Lexington Green and in Concord. So look, what if Samuel Adams and John Hancock didn't wake up and listen to the warning message when Paul Revere arrived at Hancock's home in Lexington at the end of Paul Revere's ride? What if no one answered the doors at all the homes where they stopped along the route? What if only two people showed up on Lexington Green the next morning? What if the Minutemen didn't show up to confront the British in Concord? The answer is obvious. We would all be drinking tea and eating crumpets at four o'clock each afternoon. Today, it's as as if we were all back in 1775. Our country is being stolen from us 
by a group of arrogant elite globalists whose intention is to enslave humanity for their own financial gain and for their own egotistical satisfaction. We are pawns in their global chess game, and we are still sitting on the sofa. For decades, there were insurgents. They were the insurgents, slowly taking control of the mechanisms of government that maintained our rights and the American dream. They used the power of the free market to become wealthy and then used their billions to take over news outlets and digital media to disseminate fabricated news and outright lies. They used a manufactured medical crisis to proclaim a state of emergency to take away our constitutional rights without due process. And finally, they illegally took over our electoral system and used massive voter fraud to disenfranchise millions of voters and remove from office the one president in recent history that threatened to derail their express train to world tyranny. Well, they are no longer the Marxist insurgency. They have taken control. They are the government, and we are their subjects. When half the country does not accept the results of the election as valid, you cannot have government by consent of the governed. So, my fellow patriots, it's time to ask ourselves the hard questions. What would Samuel Adams do? What would Patrick Henry do? What would Paul Revere do? We must now become the insurgents to reestablish our constitutional republic. Our founders pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor for us. It is time for each of us to ask of our own selves, what are you willing to sacrifice for freedom? When we come back from commercial break, my guest on Freedom Forum Radio is James Bolton, a former member of a Marine Corps Special Operations Unit tasked with counterinsurgency operations and an expert in counterintelligence activity in hostile political My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is James Bolden, born and reared in West Virginia in farming and woodworking environments. He joined the Marine Corps in 1987 and was selected as a team member of a special operations unit tasked with counterinsurgency operations. He traveled and operated in 14 nations. He's been politically involved in private security. He's certified in hostile political environments, executive protection, legal investigations, dispute resolution, and has been directly engaged in moving in movement building and professional self-defense instruction for, for over 20 years. James Bolton believes that the key to regaining traditional political prowess in America as liberty-loving and God-fearing people, is in learning to employ real, modern counterinsurgency skills at the local level, as all insurgencies are aimed at populations. Social change creates political results. That fact, for James Bolton, is inarguable. 
So, James Bolden, you have been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio in the past. Welcome back to Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, Dr. Dan. I'm uh, very honored to be here. And under the circumstances in the last couple of years, I'm actually uh, glad I can do this, um, given what's taken place in my life for the last couple of years. But uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's also an honor to have you back on Freedom Forum Radio. Uh, these are extremely trying times uh, yes. for our nation. Uh, so many things are unresolved, and I don't know whether they're resolvable or not resolvable, but that is why we must discuss what our options are. We must mm -hmm. learn from the past. So, James Bolton, as a nation, where are we now, and where do we go from here? Well, that's a good question. Um, Dr. Dan, I believe uh, America is facing the culmination and natural outcome of 100 years of communist counterstate activity, as well as about 60 years of effort by the Islamic counterstate. And uh, uh, most, I hope more people know this by now, but these people are in every single um, federal office and uh, agency at this time. Not everyone there is like that, but there are so many of them. And we have the worst national security crisis in history and constitutional crisis in history uh, unfolding right here in front of us. So let's define the problem uh, as you see it. What are the aspects exactly of what we are facing? Well, who are the players? Let's start off with that. Who are the players that are undermining our freedoms and our constitutional republic? Well, that, that's, uh, that's a very large subject in itself. <laughs> but in, in brief, um, as, you admit, as you mentioned already, you used the, we used the term for years, globalist, and it is correct. But who are the globalists? Um, exactly. And there are several levels of globalists out there, or several elements, I should say, working against us. Um, I've already mentioned the communists. I've mentioned the Islamists. There are general socialists and there are banking uh, cartels, and all of these people are intertwined during this time in working out a program to try to bring America down for the simple reason, simply put, that America is the last stand in this world for any kind of individual freedom. The only way these people can have the kind of power they want is to abolish individual freedom, and America is the place for that. So they are, they are intent on abolishing the, probably the one most important thing that Americans treasure, and that is to be free, to be free to make choices for how your life is going to be uh, and be able to act on those choices and have a reasonable chance of success as long as you take responsibility for your actions and as long as you dedicate yourself uh, to being successful. Is that not true? Well, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to share this before I forget it. It just happened to pop into my mind. Uh, my boss asked me, I told him I was going to be doing this radio program with you, and I'd, I'd mentioned you to him before several times, Dr. Dan, and he asked me a curious question today, and I think it ties right into what we're talking about here. And he goes, 
why do you do this? Why, why do you do what you're doing? I mean, he goes, I, I, I'm with you. I, I agree with most of the things you say, and I understand that our country's in trouble. But why do you go to such a great ex- at length to um, to study the things you study and to try to teach people the things you teach them? And what what I shared with him was one of my favorite quotes by John Quincy Adams, which which when he said this, and I quote. I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. And sorry, I got a little bit emotional there because it has never been as real to me as it is right now, Dr. Dan. It's never been as real because you can see plainly what's taking place. I have children, and I am very, very concerned about their future. Well, we all should be concerned about the future, and you put it very eloquently. Uh, and we're going to get back to identifying the players, but I, I want to talk about, as you mentioned, a lot of us are older. A lot of us yeah. have lived good lives and long lives, and have some of us who, some of our listeners are retired. But when I talk to people, when I talk to people that I see, and I see lots of people all through the week uh, in my practice and and on the street and in in my role as county commissioner, I I talk to a lot of people. And that is the the one item that is on their lips, the one wish, the one hope, the one prayer on their on their lips is I don't want my children and grandchildren not to have the freedom that I had growing up. Yes, I, I feel it. And I, and I, and we're hearing the same thing out here. We have a lot of new people moving into our community right now because of what's going on in California and in Oregon and on the west side of our state where the liberal socialists are really cracking down with their socialist policies and, and they're implementing these policies um, in a de facto manner, not constitutionally, not through legislators, they're just pressing edicts upon people. And uh, and as you said earlier, you tied right in with my thinking on on my notes tonight, and that is we are indeed again in 1775 um, because there were a lot of things that took place in 77, 1775 that are the reason why that we won the Revolutionary War. Um, had these people not prepared correctly, not understood what was happening, uh, and not been able to work together and and take the measures that they did, they would not have won that war. 1775 was the reason they won it. And b- before um, I, I stop on in, in this, it, I want to make mention that in 1775 was America's first counterintelligence service, and they had a major impact on the rest of that war. How did that intelligence service work? What exactly was it made up of? Well, actually, it was at first we have to what's great about it for us today to understand as citizens of a country is these people were not professional counterintelligence agents. There had never been a counterintelligence service before. But the Continental Congress meeting um, in uh, I believe it was um June, no, it was June. Yeah, it was June. It was in June, 1776. They met and commissioned uh, Colonel William Durer 
they put him in charge of this. And again, this had never been attempted before. But there were things they knew. Benjamin Franklin was highly involved. Benjamin Franklin and Robert Morris were highly involved in this. And they realized that there were going to have to be covert social, political, and military-style actions that had to take place to prepare for what they knew was coming very shortly. And as you know, just shortly after that, the um, the major part of the war ensued. But um, they... Their first mission was to send a secret group by ship to the Bermuda Islands to steal the British's gunpowder from the arsenal there. They pulled it off without a hit. Uh, very successful. And it was so secretly done that even General George Washington knew nothing about it. So in true in true uh, CIA fashion, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. <laughs> even on our side, that was going on then. But uh but it was very successful, but it denotes a skill set and a mindset, most of all, that we need to be thinking about right now. Well, so what what you talked about is a small counterinsurgency or actually a small insurgency cell. Uh, and I think that's an important concept because um, at, at that point, we our our founders were the insurgents. We were not the counterinsurgents. We were the insurgents at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that one of the things they needed was intelligence. They needed to uh, know what was going on. What were the strengths of the of the British? Where were the, where were their uh, soldiers located? How many there were, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and then. They had to. The second thing they needed was they needed a way of communicating with their own people. Uh, right. And then, thirdly, of course, they needed to plan missions and accomplish missions. But mm-hmm. the key point that, of what you all said right then was that it was done with a small group and done in secret. Yes, that that is that is true. Um, there are a lot of things that we've done here in this area. In fact, um, the reason, the very reason that I was uh, accosted by a local prosecutor here was, in fact, because I was not only conducting investigations, but I was conducting a small um, counter corruption, you might say against uh, what I considered insurgency, insurgent uh, mindsets to our way of life here. And they attempted to shut me down because we, we had a leak. And there's all the, always those dangers that, that take place. But uh, what I'm, what, where we're at now, we've moved downstream a little bit since you and I spoke uh, some time ago on, on the radio and since I visited with you um we're we're moving into the area now where we're we are definitely in a hostile political environment, and we need to be thinking about um, uh, understanding political insurgency. Although there is really no time at this point to spend months attempting to educate people on why men like you and me and others know what we know and trying to explain all of the history behind it. It's important to know the history behind it, but um, we, we're at war. We are at war. And I can't stress it enough. When I say fourth generation warfare, that's exactly what we're facing now. And political surgency and things like that are the method of fourth generation warfare now all over the world. We Our, our troops exercise it all the time uh, overseas. But uh, we're facing that now. And we need to learn 
how to conduct ourselves and how to fight inside that spectrum of low intensity conflicts. And uh, that, that's exactly what we're facing now. And it's really not as complicated as some people might think it is. Um, there are many people at families and, and friends and neighbors in World War II and other wars that uh, fought the Germans inside their own uh, their own home, their own towns and their own battle spaces and uh, and did a great job. They learned as they went and they were very successful. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning. <laughs>